Let's open up our Bibles to Exodus chapter 3, if you would, please. Exodus chapter 3. And we're going to begin by reading just a few verses here at the beginning of the chapter. Exodus 3, verses 1 to 6. And I'd like to preach to you this morning a sermon called, you, You've Got My Attention. You Have Got My Attention. And that being said, I, I want to preface this sermon by telling you I'm not going to be able to speak much louder or faster than this as much as I would like to. Um, if you guys would pray, I'm seeing a specialist tomorrow uh, to try to get this voice stuff sorted out, but uh, it's becoming an issue. So Exodus 3 verse 1, he says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, draw, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. If you would, let's bow our heads together and ask God to help us this morning. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and... Father, we come to you in that name because our name just isn't worthy. Lord, there's no reason you should hear my prayer. But Father, it's because of your Son that we have access to you and we know that. Our desire today, God, is to pay attention to what you want to say. We give you our attention. We want to set our affection on things above. Please, please, God, speak to us now. Please move amongst us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Years ago when I was in Bible school, every Thursday night, uh, the last night of the class, we had four classes every evening. The last class of the night was preacher's class, or as we call it, homiletics. And uh, you never knew who was going to preach. Uh, the teacher would get up and just point to you, and it was your turn all of a sudden. So you had to be, be ready all the time. And one night, this guy, he, he had been carrying with him lighter fluid and a match for months waiting for his turn to preach, which is kind of strange to walk around with lighter fluid and a, and a match. But uh, he got up to preach, and he put a small metal trash can next to the pulpit. And he said, take your Bible. turn." I can't remember the verse, to be honest with you. I know that he was preaching about hell. I know that. But he had some papers and whatnot in the trash can and then he poured the lighter fluid on and then lit the match and put the match in there that fire just rose up and and he said now I'm going to preach about the fires of hell and he went into his bible and he began to read like I said I know he preached about hell but I must admit I didn't listen to any of that sermon I just kept thinking dude you're going to die man because <laughs> that that fire was right next to the pulpit and it's, it's coming up, and I thought, oh, I promise you this, he had my attention. <laughs> but not for the sermon, but for the sake of that burning fire. And the fire just kept burning throughout the sermon. 
Thank God we only get 15 minutes to preach in class because otherwise that could have gotten dangerous. Uh, but he wanted our attention and he got it. And I think the same thing's happening here. God wanted to get Moses' attention and he got it. I wonder this morning if he's trying to get your attention. I wonder if God might be ready to put a burning bush along the path of your life just to get you to stop, turn aside, and listen to what he has to say. When we open this chapter and it says Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, this isn't what Moses had planned for his life. You realize this was plan B at best. Moses had been raised in the king's palace, in Pharaoh's house. He was learned in all the learning of the Egyptians. He was mighty in words and deeds. And at the age of 40, he tried to deliver the people of Israel, and they didn't want that to happen. They rejected his efforts. And to be honest, Moses, even though he had good intentions, he was 40 years too early. It was not the plan of God to deliver Israel at that time. I hope you're listening to that because there are a lot of people that have very good intentions and desire to serve God, but if you want to get it right, you need to hear His voice first. You need to let God be the one that leads you into those great endeavors. It's wonderful to run off and try to get something done. Much better to fall in line with the will of God. Moses tried at the age of 40 to make it work and it didn't. For the next 40 years of his life, all he did was keep sheep. What a disappointment. Can you imagine for a moment how Moses felt? He probably felt as if he was a failure. He probably felt as if he had wasted his life. Probably felt like he tried to serve God, but he blew it. I bet he thought that God would never use him. Forty long years. You know what he did every day? Took the sheep out to the backside of the desert looking for something to eat. That's all he did. That's all he was doing. He is now 80 years old. 80 years old. And God's just now getting ready to use him. I don't know how many of you are pushing 80, but life's just getting started. <laughs> the, the exciting part is just about to happen. <laughs> Amen, Um Isaac. Amen. Don't you wave your hand. You're not even close to 80. Tati Mariana, you're not even close to 80. You're just now, what, 30-something, right? <laughs> he is 80 years old, but never too old to change. You know what he did in verse 1? He led the flock to the backside of the desert, came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. It wasn't the mountain of God at that time. It was just another mountain. It became the mountain of God after Exodus 19 when God came down on that mountain. But at this point, it is just a mountain. This is a mountain where Moses worked. This is his workplace. Sometimes we think that the only place that God can get our attention is Sunday morning in a church. And then throughout the week, we do not watch and listen for the work of God and the voice of God to reach us, Moses was just at work, going through his normal day, just another day on the backside of the desert. And in verse 2, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. What a sight. 
he looked and behold the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed now what Moses didn't know is he is looking at a perfect picture of the nation of Israel because ever since Israel existed as a nation they have been persecuted hated and the enemy has tried to destroy them but no matter what fiery furnace Israel has gone into no one can destroy them they are a bush that is burning but is not consumed they are just like Shadrach Meshach and Abednego always in the furnace but never burned up and after God pulled Israel out of Egypt you know what he said I have pulled you out of the iron furnace that's exact he's Moses is looking at a picture of Israel he doesn't realize it at the time but oh what a sight verse 3 Moses said I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt I don't know what your burning bush will be but God will put something in your life that will cause you to stop pay attention and investigate I don't know what it will be as a matter of fact there might be several burning bushes that uh, God sends along your path and some might burn a little brighter than others for some folks it's a disease for some it's debt for some it's a divorce for some it's some other disaster makes you stop and look and say God what are you doing why are you doing this why did you allow this for some people your burning bush is a preacher you come to the church and man the man of God is just on fire for God and he gives you a sermon and that sermon you can clearly hear not the voice of that man because the man is just another man but you hear the voice of God speaking to you through that sermon you might have a burning bush moment for some of you it will happen one day as you sit down and open up your Bible and God said is not my word like unto a fire and you'll open up the pages of this book and begin to read and God will speak directly to your heart and in such an intense and clear way you won't hear it audibly but oh you will feel it coming across in your heart and it will be one of those life changing moments that will completely alter the direction of your life and you will walk away from that experience never being the same you see every one of us might have a different burning bush moment but make no mistake about it God knows how to get your attention God knows how to put something on your path that should stop you and it might happen while you're at work might happen while you're at church it might happen while you're on a picnic oh I'm sorry a bride it might happen it might happen anywhere at any time you know what I, th- I think happens sometimes is we watch some other saint some other saved person going through such difficulties going through a heartbreaking heart seer situation and you look at them and think how are they not quitting how is it that they no matter all that they're going through are still saying the Lord gives and the Lord takes away blessed be the name of the Lord God is still good his grace is sufficient and I never want to stop serving him and you think to yourself if I was that person I would have quit last week and yet this person is not only enduring the hardness but they're praising God for it they're happy about it they're learning from it they're drawing nigh to God you know what they are they are the burning bush the presence of God is so clearly manifested in their life God said I am a consuming fire yes 
The Lord our God is a consuming fire. And sometimes you can see a person filled to overflowing with the presence of God. They may not even realize it, but when you look at their life and their testimony, all you can see is the bushes on fire, but they're not burned up. They're just so full of God. And you look at their testimony and how God's working, and that gets your attention. You say, Brother Mike, why are you saying that twofold? You might want to look around and learn from what other people are going through. But if you're the one going through it, please don't quit. You're the burning bush for someone else. Whatever the case was, it got Moses' attention. It was on this mountain that he had been to probably many times before. But listen, when God gets involved, the natural becomes the supernatural. My office at my house, it's just another room in the house. <laughs> it's all that it is. It's got a lot of books and a desk just like you'd find any other office in this world. But every now and again, it transforms from an office into a very special place right there at the throne of God when God shows up. And that office becomes the burning bush and that I just want to stop and look at it. Now listen, I bet Moses after this day, everywhere he went, when he passed by a bush, he'd look at it twice and bend over it. Because the bush is talking to him. You understand that? That's what it looks like. Somebody else walking by and seeing this thinks Moses is talking to a bush. Now, the bush is on fire. This is an incredible sight, but they don't realize that if you just walk by and see it casually, you'd think that Moses is trying to bry something <laughs> and he's now talking to the bush. But see, after you have one of these experiences, the, the other people walking by may not understand it. It might look silly to them. But once you have one of these moments, every bush you pass by, you're going to be listening. God, uh, will you show up in this bush? Is there anything you want to tell me from that bush? You start to get curious and investigate because once God begins to speak to you, that voice, that voice is so sweet. That voice thrills the soul. That still, small voice of the Holy Spirit telling you whatever the message is, whatever he needs to tell you, whether, whether that's an encouragement or a rebuke. It's so sweet to hear from God. Moses, he sees this great sight. He says, let me turn aside and see, see what's going on here. Let me investigate a little further. I got some things going on in my life and maybe God is trying to get my attention. Verse 4, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see. God waited for him to show interest. I want to hear the voice of God. Maybe God's waiting on you to open your ears. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Could it be that God's been trying to talk to you for a long time and you just never stopped long enough to listen? Have you ever called a call center trying to get some help? Whether it's your insurance or your bank or you've been blacklisted and you're calling SARS. Do you love that message when, you, when they say, thank you, we appreciate your call. Your call is very important to us. Please hold for the next available representative. I'm sure all of us rejoice to hear that message, right? It's very exciting, very exciting stuff. You hear that message and you just say, praise God. I get to waste more time. <laughs> now, I know from experience, I, I had that job for a little while of being a customer representative. I took phone calls at a credit reporting agency. 
I know what happens when we put you on hold. <laughs> You're annoying us, so you deserve to be on hold. Please hold. And what do I do? I go get a cup of coffee. <laughs> I go over to my friend's desk and talk about the basketball game. <laughs> I'll take a minute or two. Hey, you called me. I didn't call you. You can wait. <laughs> oh, man. That just isn't right. I can see some of you are getting angry. I didn't take your call. <laughs> it wasn't me. None of us like to be put on hold. Okay, I got two amens out of that. Now, you folks got to stay with me here. You don't like to be put on hold. No one does. We understand it's a necessity sometimes, but we don't like to hear, please hold. Oh, man. I don't think God likes to be put on hold either. I wonder how many times God has put the burning bush along your path, something that should have gotten your attention, something that should have caused you to look heavenward. And you said, okay, that's interesting. I got other things going on in my life right now that are really important. God, please hold. And what did you do? Went and got a cup of coffee. Went and chatted with the friends. You just went about doing other stuff in life, and the stuff may not be evil or wrong, but you've had God on hold for how long? Wouldn't it be nice, rather, if instead of putting God on hold, we sat by the phone waiting for Him to call? Anxious, so that before the first ring finished, we'd already hit the button and said hello. I, I, can, I can give you this next story with great comfort and confidence because I've been married almost 23 years, the greatest woman in the world and the most beautiful woman ever. But years and years ago, I had a girlfriend named Andrea, Andrea, as you would say. Andy was her nickname, and, and Andy, oh, she was a pretty young lady, and I liked her a lot. And we had been going together for two or three months, and the summer break started. So I didn't get to see her every day at school. Must have been, I don't know, 13, 14 at the time. And, and Andy made the big mistake of saying, Mike, I will call you tomorrow. Well, in my puppy love mind, that becomes the most important thing that's going to happen tomorrow. I don't care what my dad asked me to do. I needed to cut the grass and do chores around the house. But this is before the days of cell phones. So I couldn't carry my phone in my pocket. This is, do you guys remember when phones had cords connected to them? You remember that? Some of you have no idea what that is. There used to be a cord that came out of the bottom of the phone and it connected to a receiver which was connected to the wall. You could stand by the window and watch the dinosaurs walk by. It was amazing. <laughs> so instead of doing any of my chores, because the, the phone had to, it was only in one room. We were poor. We only had one phone. So it was one phone in one room. I couldn't do chores in other rooms. I couldn't go outside to cut the grass. I couldn't go down to the park and, and, and play any sports with my friends because Andy said, I will call you tomorrow. You know what I did? I sat right next to the phone 
staring at the phone. You talk about pathetic. The definition thereof. I just sat there. Man, when is she going to call? See, I did what the typical pathetic guy does. I'd waited long enough. It had been at least 10 minutes. <laughs> I picked up the phone and I called Andy. And I said, oh, hey, I, I know that you said you would call me, but I thought that maybe you forgot. So I just wanted to remind you to call me. <laughs> so pathetic. She said, Mike, I'm busy at the moment. I will call you later. Because I knew that I was being pathetic, I didn't want to say, when is later? But she just said later, and that was it. Well, later could be 10 minutes, later could be 10 hours. I don't know when later is. So me and my pathetic self sat right by that phone, I kid you not, for the next three, three four hours. I sat there, I, I'd run to the kitchen, get something to eat, run back. Thank God the phone was in the same room with the TV. <laughs> but this was, this was before the remotes came out, so I had to keep getting up, you know, switching the channel by hand and then run back to the phone just in case. Well, after lunchtime passed, I called her again and said, Andy, I, I just thought maybe you got busy and forgot. She said, Mike, I will call you when I have time. I will call. I said, okay, okay. Hung up. But she didn't say when. You know what I did? I sat next to that phone till 4 o'clock that afternoon. <laughs> and she didn't call. My dad's going to be home from work soon. And I know that my dad's not going to let me sit there and be pathetic all night. <laughs> He's going to send me to my room where there is no phone. Like Siberia. <laughs> so right before I know dad's going to get home, I pick the phone up one more time and I call Andy and I say, Andy... Have you forgotten about me? <laughs> she said, I will now. <laughs> and broke up with me. <laughs> so pathetic. So pathetic. You know, I wouldn't recommend any of you men try that. <laughs> That's not the way to get the girl. <laughs> I do think it is a way to get God, though. Wouldn't that be something if we just sat there next to the bush and said, God, whatever you're doing in my life, you have my attention. This isn't my everyday, normal work day. This isn't what happens every day. I believe you're trying to get my attention and I'm not going to move from this spot until you call. I'm going to sit right here by this burning bush and I'm just going to stare and wait until I hear your voice coming from the bush. That's how important your call is for me. That's how madly in love I am with you. This is why I think Jesus said, watch and pray. It might take a little while for the presence of God to show up it might take a little while for God's voice to come out of that situation, that, that burning bush, but eventually the voice comes ringing through. In verse number 4, the Lord saw that he turned aside to see. And God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. You know when he says it twice, boy, you better listen. 
You can go through your Bible and find all the times that God repeated somebody's name and every time it's something life-changing, something very important. Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. You want to hear the voice of God? Then you better draw nine. You better wait. You better show some interest. You're not going to hear it by accident. Now, forgive me, I'm not trying to confuse you here. When you read Acts chapter 7, Stephen tells this story. But Stephen actually tells us the order in which God said these things. In, Ex in Exodus 3, we have all the words, but the, it's, it's actually out of order. Verse 6 was said first, and then verse 7. So the first thing that comes from the bush, this voice comes out, verse 7, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. So he hears this voice and he realizes, oh my, this isn't just another burning bush. This is, God is in the bush. And God introduces himself and says, I'm the God that your forefathers told you about. Which tells me something, that up until this point, Moses had only heard stories about this God. But he had never heard God's voice. God had to introduce himself. I have found this to be very true, especially in this culture, in this part of the world. A lot of people have heard about God from their fathers. They know about the God that their ancestors worshipped. They know about this Jesus, but to them it is only ek viet von hom. Halakenni homni. Big difference. They, they don't know him personally. They've heard stories about him. But to know how he operates, to know what he likes, to know what he wants from you personally, that they don't know. And that's why God is showing up to Moses to tell him personally, I've gotten your attention because from here on out, you're not just going to be a shepherd on the backside of a desert. Oh, you'll be a shepherd, all right, but you're going to lead my, my sheep out of, out of Egypt. He says, Moses, I'm here to give you some personal knowledge of me. After he said that, then he says, verse 5, and he said, draw not nigh hither. Moses is already afraid to look. Such a tremendous sight. God shows up. Sometimes the feeling that you'll get is, this is too good to be true. I've had it happen many times in prayer. I'm afraid to open my eyes because the Lord has shown up and he's so real, I'm afraid I might see it. And if I saw it, I wouldn't know what to do with it. <laughs> God says, draw not nigh hither. Don't come any closer. Now, usually when you hear that, that's a distress signal. <laughs> somebody has a disease or somebody, there's something dangerous. God says, don't come any closer. Draw not nigh hither. Why? We got to get you fixed first. We got to get you right before you can get close. Take shoes off, Moses. Why did God tell him to take his shoes off? He says at the end of the verse, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Did you know that's the first time the word holy shows up in the Bible? First time. You know what's holy? The ground. You know why it's holy? God showed up. There was nothing special about that ground until God showed up. Same thing probably with your work or maybe your home. It's not that, it's just another home. It's just another workplace until God shows up and then all of a sudden it becomes holy ground. He says, take your shoes off. Why? I don't want anything between you and my holiness. 
I want your feet to feel, to feel the fullness of my presence. I have manifested myself here. I don't want any distractions. I don't want you to have anything between me and you, between my holiness and your nature. I want it to sink in, Moses. I don't want you to bring any of that worldly dirt from your sandals into this place. Leave the world out. Love not the world, neither the things of the world. This is a place where you're just going to concentrate on me. I believe there's something else, though, to it. This might be a bit more practical, but I believe it's still very true. Whenever you go somewhere and you take your shoes off, you generally plan to stay a while. I remember, I don't know, what was it, four years ago, five years ago, I preached a sermon and I, I told everybody to feel free to take your shoes off. We're going to be here a while. And then a few people did, and I regretted it. <laughs> I purposely wore some great socks today just for this. I mean, look at this. And, 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 after, and after, yeah, you, Mom, you got to zoom the camera in on this because... After I put them on, I realized I have a hole in this sock. I, I'm perfecting holiness. <laughs> oh, that's great. Take the other one off too now. Yeah, that's much better actually. <laughs> when you take your shoes off, you're going to stick around a while. You're making yourself comfortable. When God told the Israelites to leave Egypt the night of the Passover, you know what he told them? He said, eat the Passover, and you're going to eat unleavened bread. You know why it wasn't leavened? They didn't have time to let the bread rise. It was, they had to run out of Egypt in haste. They were in a hurry. He said, so when you eat this Passover, eat it with your shoes on, staff in hand, because you're going to be in a rush to get out of here. And here's what I've found too often. God begins to deal with us. And we got our shoes on, staff in hand. And we're in a rush to get out of there. Our lives are so busy. We got something else to do. God doesn't have time to work on us. He doesn't have time to talk to us. He puts a burning bush in your life, but you got a schedule to keep. What if we were to just make time to say, God, you've gotten my attention. This now becomes the priority. This is the most important thing in my schedule. God, you have my attention. Keep me as long as you like. I'm not in a hurry. Keep me here as long as you want. He said, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. And anytime you find some holy ground, don't be in a rush to get out of there. There's a preacher in America. I'm not crazy about his preaching, to be honest with you, but he, um, he has a few good things to say. Named Phil Kidd. He's not a very well-known name, but uh, he likes to preach down in the southern states in America. And he's, he, he's named himself, he's given himself a baynom. His nickname is the most controversial preacher in America, which kind of tells you something about this guy, right? He, 
He's looking to stir up trouble, which is why I'm not crazy about his preaching. But I will say this, he's, he's, he's a handful to watch. My goodness, when he gets up to preach, he is a burning bush. I mean, he is just on fire and whoa, he goes at it. And he never preaches long. He preaches hard and he preaches fast. One night, I've only gone to see him preach once. I showed up and he got up behind the pulpit. And I, I cannot copy his style because of my voice this morning. But he gets up and he's all excited and he's revved up. And, you know, I mean, lots of zeal and energy. He wears his hair real tall as well. Just strange looking guy. And he had his trench coat on. Everybody knows what a trench coat is? It's long coats down to the ankles. He's got this nice suede trench coat on. And it's cold outside, it's the middle of winter. And he gets up to preach and he says, Now, bless God, I'm not even going to take off my coat because I'm not going to be here long. I'm only going to preach 10 minutes and then I'm out of here. And then, and then he starts into preaching. He said, I'm going to leave my coat on because he planned to get out of there soon. Um, I hope you're not trying to copy Brother Kid when you come to church. Some people come in and keep their coat on and shoes on, staff in hand, and they're ready, man, just to buzz in and buzz out. And what if we made plans, made time to say, God, I want to hear from you. I want my life to change. I need some direction. God, I need to hear your voice this morning. God, I want to hear it this morning. So I'm coming here and I'm going to take my shoes off and I'm going to take my coat off and I'm going to make myself comfortable right here where there's some holy ground because God, I need you to change me. I'm 80 years old and I've been doing this job for 40 years and I feel like a failure. I feel stuck in my life. I'm in this rut and I may never get out of it. You know what God did? Verse 7 all the way to the end of chapter 3. Chapter 4, all the way down to verse 17. They sat there and had a long conversation. God said, I've heard the cries of the Israelites. I've seen the afflictions. Moses, I'm sending you to lead them out. And Moses began to, I want to say argue, <laughs> but he began to make verskunings and excuses and God, I don't think I can do this and that. And one by one, God answered all of his questions and this one conversation changed not only Moses' life, but the entire course of human history. I wonder, I wonder if God is trying to tap you on the shoulder today and get your attention. And say, I, I need to tell you some things. I need to change some things. I need to redirect your life. I wonder if you'll stop long enough to listen. Take your shoes off. Say, God, no distractions, nothing between me and your presence, me and your holiness. I want to feel the fullness of it. I'm going to stay until you speak to me. I don't know if this morning will be your burning bush. You'll probably need several of them as you go through life. But just in case it is, take your time. Tell the Lord this morning, you've got my attention. Don't let me leave until you're done with me. Let's all stand, if you would, please. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed.
heads bowed, eyes closed. You know, not every time God speaks does He give you a rebuke. Sometimes God will come real close to you and just remind you of how much He loves you. Remind you that He cares about you. Maybe this morning He's tapping you on the shoulder and saying, listen, you've, you've heard about me from other people but you don't know me personally. Maybe this morning God would like to save your soul. God would like to pull you out of Egypt. I wonder if you would come sit next to the phone this morning and wait for it to ring. I wonder if you would go sit next to the bush and say, God, I, I'm going to sit right here until you bring the fire down on this bush and talk to me, God. God waits until you turn aside to see it. He waits to see your desire. He said, draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you. God's waiting for you to take the first step. He will create the circumstance, but you have to show the desire. We have an altar here. You want to come sit next to the bush up here? Come on. Why don't you come and say, God, I want to hear from you so badly. Please, God, please, please speak to me. Please, God, I need direction. I'm not sure what to do. You know what I did last night as I, I sat down next to my burning bush. The burning bush I was looking at was all the goodness that God has shown in my life. I looked at my wife and kids. I looked at my daughter holding my granddaughter. And that became a burning bush to me. God said, look how good I've been to you. Look at what, look at what I've given you. I said, God, you've been so good. And it turned into a few minutes just of worshiping God. You see, just a small burning bush. But what that meant a lot. doesn't have to be a crisis God doesn't have to bring some disaster into your life to get your attention he might just tap you on the heart and say sir I'm talking to you and then wait and see if you respond several have what about you
Friend, are you saved? Do you know for sure that you're saved? I'm not asking if you were raised in a Christian home. That would be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now we would like for him to become your God. Personally. And you can only do that through Jesus Christ. You need to understand that he died to pay for your sins. He paid for your sins. And without that payment, you have no right to come close to God. You must draw nigh through Christ. Now, if you've never understood that, and you've never personally asked him to save you, today you can, you can fix that. In a moment, I'll pray and, and we'll close. But I'd like to ask you today, if you're here and you've never been saved, may I please pray for you? I, I'm, I can't save you, you understand. I'd like to ask God to help you. Would you be willing to slip your hand up? You can put it right back down, but I'd just like to know who I'm praying for. Say, preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Several hands. Here's the problem. You've sinned and God has to punish you. Here's the answer. Jesus took the punishment for you. You cannot save yourself. You need to ask him to do it. Would you do that now? All you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, I get it. I don't deserve to go to heaven. I deserve to go to hell. I don't want to live one more day without you living in my heart. Please, Lord Jesus, save me now. Would you do that? Now, see, some folks are here waiting for this waiting by the burning bush just waiting to hear folks if you need to if you need to go home and just shut the TV off and turn the computer off turn your phone off just sit there and wait for God to speak oh it'll be worth it be still and know that I am God make time for him today father thank you this morning Thank you for getting our attention. You have done so many things in our life that would cause us to turn our head and to set our affections on things above and not on things on the earth. Thank you, Lord, for being so involved in our lives. But I'm asking this morning that you please speak to us clearly, Lord. Teach us how to hear from you. Help us, God, to treat this as holy ground, special. We don't intend to rush you, Lord. You know my heart in this, God. I'd be happy to stay here all afternoon. Father, I want to ask you to please help those that raise their hand. Let them today, let them today come to Christ. Let them walk out of this building with joy, overflowing joy in their heart, knowing that they're saved. 
Thank you for your amazing grace. Father, would you please bring us back safely tonight? We'd like to have another, another moment there, another period of time at the bush. Please speak to us throughout the day. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.